welcome to the Renovare podcast. My name is Nathan Foster, and this is the first in a series of monthly podcasts in which I write a brief essay and then discuss it with two members of the Renovare ministry team. If you don't have the essay, you're welcome to download it at renovare.org. First of my two guests today is Marty Insign, and Marty is a longtime missionary in Africa. Marty and her husband, Lynn, live in Olympia, Washington. She's been a conference and retreat speaker for a number of years, and she's the former director of women in medicine and dentistry for the Christian Medical and Dental Society. Marty is a founding board member of Renovare and a very special woman. Um, welcome, Marty. Wow, thank you. Did you like that? Do we know this lady? <laughs> uh, the, the second person we have with us today is Richard J. Foster, and Richard is the um, uh, founder of Renovare and former president, and those of you who don't know, he's author of a number of books, including Celebration and Discipline, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, Streams of Living Water, most recently, uh, he's written a book called Sanctuary of the Soul. It's on meditative prayer. Um, maybe more importantly, Richard is my dad. Um, so welcome, Dad. Glad you're here. Thank you so much. Good to be with you and, and especially to be with Marty. She'll, she'll bring a lot to whatever it is we discuss. Yes, yes. Very good. Um, actually, let's just start there. Marty, you've been teaching and working with the disciplines for a number of years now. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm curious to, to hear what you see as important for people to know about practicing them. Well, I think my first introduction to the disciplines and celebration of disciplines was to its author and then to its family. Okay. So I think because I saw it lived out in persons, it meant a great deal more to me, and this was back in the mid '80s when now, was this, Richard was this came to Seattle. Nineteen eighty or eighteen eighty? <laughs> <laughs> we better put it in nineteen, and I think it might have even been eighty-four. Can't probably, probably, yep. Hmm. Marty, you said lived out in persons. Um, could you explain a little, a little more on that? When, when Richard came to the school, I heard that he was coming because he was the author of this famous book called Celebration of Discipline, which I had not read. Mm-hmm. So uh, my first introduction to this was to hurriedly read all I could of the book, <laughs> but then through this intense week of spiritual emphasis, we talked back sessions, dorm meetings and things, I saw how the spirit of freedom and grace was lived out in very trying circumstances. Mm. So that got me really hooked mm-hmm. on finding out what the secret of this kind of life was. Mm. That's good. I love that statement of freedom and grace. Two words that people don't often connect with the disciplines. Mm-hmm. Tragically. Marty, Marty, as I remember, there was a big snowstorm that week. <laughs> there sure was. The night you came in, you were in the last plane at SeaPac Airport allowed to land that night. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was a great week, and because the uh, the city essentially was paralyzed uh, by the snowstorm, we were able to just teach away and have a good time with students. Uh, I think one day the faculty couldn't even make it in, and and uh, but the students were there because it was a residential campus, and we just taught away throughout the day, as I remember. That's them. That's right. <laughs> That's good. Dad, you you get concerned that people see the disciplines as a as a fad. Could you mm-hmm. could you talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah. I mean, Americans have a tendency to uh ride hobby horses and then jump ship and I I changed my metaphor, didn't I? Anyway, you did. Hobby <laughs> horses and ships. I <laughs> uh, usually aren't on ships. Uh <laughs> Um, we we tend to just uh, go from one thing to the other. Mm-hmm. But with the Christian disciplines, which Christians all through the centuries have emphasized, um, this is a this is a lifelong effort. So you know, um, people need to take fifty, sixty years before they you know, really try to evaluate all of this. Mm-hmm. And and we tend, especially in our Western culture, not to have that kind of patience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so people are off to the next fad uh, and have left behind things just because they maybe uh, read a book or uh, did something for a few months. Uh, away they go to something else. And mm-hmm. That's one of the first things we need to just help people know is that we're talking about life, and the disciplines are a part of the means of grace for the transformation of the human personality. But the thing that is important to understand in that is that there is a time element. Uh, uh, it it uh, comes slowly. It comes... Uh, you mentioned that in your essay, Nate, about mm-hmm. the the slow work of God, and we learn we learn with the Christian disciplines. We learn to trust the slow work of God upon the human uh, heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Nate, I think you said even in your essay that we shouldn't fight the reality that it's a slow work. But cooperate with it and realize that this kind of slow progression works in all forms of our life, all phases of it. Yeah. You know, it was interesting when I was writing that, that picture came to mind about just nature and how slow things are. It it takes its time, doesn't it? Yeah. And we're part of that. I'm looking out at a bunch of uh, trees, uh, pine trees. And, you know, these trees have been around for a while. I've watched them for, well, it's close to 20 years now, and Mm. they've gotten a bit taller and a bit older. I've just gotten older. (laughs) Shorter. (laughs) Older and shorter. (laughs) Yeah, shorter. (laughs) But they, uh, you know, they're not in a rush. Mm. They're not in a rush. Mm -hmm. Marty... What? That's because they do the will of God. They, uh-huh. the, the trees do, and 
the little animals do. And, and uh, if we come into that rhythm, mm-hmm. learning to trust the slow work of God, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it uh, is a great help to us in this. Mm-hmm. So in with the disciplines to not try and rush it, just to kind of be with it. To absolutely not rush it. Um, you know, you don't you don't make a an instant life. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. takes time, and mm-hmm. that's all part of that's all part of the rhythm of God. And we we learn to trust that and believe that it's a good thing, and that we ourselves here, Marty has. I'm not going to say how long, but has uh, lived many years in the work that she has done mm-hmm. in the medical field and in missionary work and and have seen people over long periods of time uh, to slowly grow into the likeness of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Marty, how, how do the disciplines play out in your work in Africa and Rwanda? Is it is there space for that in where people are, you know, fighting for their survival? Yeah, there. I think I was given a gift of grace that I really loved, even before I knew how to name these disciplines. I loved being with the Lord. I remember returning from America once with two little children, and I asked my spiritual director, how am I ever going to find time to pray with all I have to do? You know, we had many household servants, and people said, well, you had all these servants. What did you do? And I said, I bossed all these people. It takes a lot of time to (laughs) keep track of all these people. But uh, God can work. Well, my spiritual director said, Prayer is being with God. Mm-hmm. So in whatever you do, make sure that you're conscious of being with God. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw it in the lives of these people. Uh, they can take life much easier than we do because they don't have a lot of distractions like mm-hmm. newspapers, a lot of books, television. They just concentrate on their life in God. Hmm. and uh, use whatever small means they have to listen to the Spirit of God. Hmm. So in one sense, then, being able to be present to God in, in, in poverty areas that are lacking distraction, is that, is that an accurate way to think of it? Yes, and, and someone, I think Dr. Stephen Brown said, that you never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Mm. <laughs> and, Very good. and that's kind of the position that they're in. If they don't have the Lord to depend on just for daily sustenance and for healing from disease when they are miles from any hospital or medical work, then they indeed are lost and bleak. But these right. Christians friends of ours who have materially pretty much nothing are some of the most joyful, fun to be with, mm-hmm. praising mm-hmm. individuals that you ever want to see. You know, Nate, when uh, the prayer for daily bread is a prayer 
for daily bread. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you learn to pray. Yeah. Uh-huh. You, you know, it isn't it isn't an optional kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, as you are searching for whatever it is to eat, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Is, that is the prayer for daily bread. Yeah. yeah. So right. it's a it's a it's a it's a live kind of thing. It's a and when daily bread is provided, there it, there's a sense of joy in that. Mm. And when you have a culture that lives on the edge, uh, you know, uh, those who walk with God learn the reality of his presence in very concrete ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we, we can learn tons from folks like those that Marty was among uh, just because uh, they've learned the joy of the Lord in the midst of virtually nothing in terms of material possessions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that and that every day is a is a task of survival isn't it yeah new revelation from God every day and uh, uh, and and uh, Marty's statement about joy is so is so wonderful isn't it because that is one of the chief signs of the life of the spiritual disciplines is that there is great joy in all of this. It's not a somber thing. It is walking and leaping and praising God. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't do too much leaping these days. <laughs> <laughs> no, nor me. The joints don't quite go for that. <laughs> Why is that such a hard thing? I've noticed whenever I start talking with people about doing spiritual activities, doing the spiritual disciplines, that uh, that when I talk about it ending in joy, there's a, a bit of a um, surprise where people don't typically think in terms of that. What is our reluctance uh, right. to that? Or well, I, it's it's because we think of discipline number one as drudgery. Mm-hmm. And, and legalism. And, and legalism as punishment, even. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. we've turned that word uh, to disciplinacy, uh, uh, one of the meanings being punishment. Uh, the spiritual disciplines, and, and really that just means exercises, the way of, of uh, focusing and directing our lives, training, you used in your essay the word activity. That's that's good. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes a spiritual discipline is is not doing activity. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, right? The lack of activity is the discipline. Right, mm-hmm. is a discipline by itself. But uh, the, the, this is joy. This is freedom. This is uh, the way that people can be. Um, uh, balanced and directed, and uh, think of a think of a uh, an athlete, mm-hmm. a gymnast, who can just you know think of the floor exercise of a gymnast and how they uh, dance to that music in a sense, uh, doing things that you know 
would put at least me in the hospital. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> well, that, that's the joy of it, that they have the ability to do it because they have trained in that particular discipline, that particular mm-hmm. aspect of their life. That's why there's such joy, because it brings this great uh, freedom in life. And that's the way it is. Uh, you think of people who are bound in their thought life. Mm-hmm. They think mm-hmm. about things, and they hate the fact that all of the time they think about these things, and they don't want to think. I mean, it can be anything. It can be greed. It could be uh, uh, sexual perversion. Uh, uh, many different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they cannot by themselves, get free from that. And that's why the spiritual disciplines are the means of God's grace for setting us free in so many of these ways. Mm-hmm. Now, these are not, it isn't simple in the sense that, oh, well, I'll, I'll have a little fast, or I'll, mm-hmm. I'll pray uh, whatever uh, in the morning. Some, in some of these cases, we need the help of others mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. they undertake disciplines, for example, of prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just, there's a wonderful Hispanic lady, and, and she was just mentioning, um, uh, runs a little Mexican restaurant and talking about uh, her husband having these, the, the sense of oppression, of demons oppressing him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but she says he doesn't believe in God, but he sure believes in the demons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, the rest of it, That's right. And, uh, so, uh, it it involves all of that kind of community life work to help people, one another, to, uh, open our lives, vulnerable, uh, to undertake specific Marty mentioned uh, about talking with her spiritual director. Now, that just means somebody who walks with you and can give uh, uh, appropriate senses of where God is working and moving. Mm -hmm. And there are times that that's needed for us to move forward. All of these Mm -hmm. kind of things. And that's why the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, the Bible says, this joy is such a uh, central marker of, of a right use of the spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. If you see people doing spiritual disciplines with drudgery, something's, you know, drastically mm-hmm. wrong. And then could we take back to that picture of the gymnast dancing, then that analogy plays for a, a way in which we live life, that, that we've trained and practice and then living life and the fruit of the Spirit be then become something that naturally pours out into our lives. Exactly. Is that where you're taking it? Awesome. Right. The, the point of it is its naturalness. Mm-hmm. Love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and long-suffering, all the fruit of the Spirit, those are natural outcomes. We don't try to be loving. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We undertake these tasks. I mean, these... Uh, exercises, these disciplines, and God takes these things and works in us 
realities that we don't possess. Mm -hmm. And that over time and experience, we grow in all of these things. And, And that's why we become as surprised as anybody else. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. Uh, You were just a little kid when we started the first Renvari conferences, and one of the things we uh, emphasized was balance, you know, not doing one thing for six months or something. Mm -hmm. But one of the fun things was that people who had read Celebration of Discipline and maybe one of Dallas's books were expecting a really somber, serious, seminar. And they were up there on the platform laughing and kidding each other, and we were singing joyfully, and people would come after and say, man, I never expected Richard Foster to be laughing and <laughs> having fun up there. Well, yes. That we, it's just because we have such a warped view of, uh, of what spiritual disciplines are like. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just coming back to this, the freedom, uh, the ease, the sense of, of uh, real joy in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And when you mm-hmm. think, Marty, your experiences in East Africa, uh, and those were during some pretty hard times. Yeah, during genocide, actually. Yeah, and how people could work with that and and be able, maybe you should tell a story about this, be able to love their enemies. I mean, then these were real enemies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we do. We have a yeah. we have a few moments left. Marty, would you would you have a story for us? Yes, I I want to just mention something from your essay first. Uh-huh. Nate, and that's this thing about legalism. You said for them, it, it just becomes another task to add on to a already overcommitted mm. schedule. And I remember John Ortberg saying how mad he was when he first read Spiritual the Celebration of Discipline. He said, I have enough to figure out and do without now here. Seven or eight more things I'm supposed to be doing, and and he's come full circle to really embrace them and realize what a benefit they were. But mm. I happened to be in the city of Kigali uh, speaking for a conference for a Mission Aviation Fellowship when the genocide started, and so I really got stuck there for a while. Finally, a friend drove me through the rainforest and dumped me out on the Congo border, and I bribed my way across into Congo, where I knew there, into Bukavu, where there was an MAF pilot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was stuck there for quite a while, hearing these reports and having thousands and thousands of refugees uh, streaming across the border into Congo with all of these tales that were just almost unbelievable. And I finally... Uh, one of the pilots flew me to northern Congo and just landed that little Cessna 206 in a field, and I got out of the plane and took my suitcase and walked across the border into Uganda, and another pilot came from Nairobi and landed in the field in Uganda, and I finally got home, and I said, okay, my addiction to Africa is cured. I will never (laughs) back to Africa. Eight weeks later... (laughs) 
they had, you know, people were just cracking up, the Americans that were there working for World Vision, World Concern, Red Cross. And this psychiatrist from London said he would go down and help them debrief and be with them and show them how to keep their emotions and things intact. But he said, I've never been in Africa. I don't know the people. I don't know the language. you got to somebody. So I was the somebody. Mm. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Mm. <laughs> but out of that, look what God has done in revival and I'll tell you just one quick little thing. You know, this was between the two tribes, the Tutsis and the Hutus. Mm -hmm. yep. And there was a widow lady who only had one teenage son, and she's Tutsi. Her son, of course, Tutsi, but his best friend happened to be a Hutu. Mm -hmm. So the soldiers got a hold of him, and they said, you kill this boy, this Tutsi boy, or we'll just kill you. Wow. And so he did that, and then he fled across into Congo, lived in the forest. He was nearly dying when he decided, look, if I die, I want to die back in Kigali, where I came from. So he came back, and this lady was the only lady that he knew alive, the mother of this friend that he had killed. Mm. And he went to her, and she had had a real experience of God's forgiveness and of learning to forgive others, and she took that boy in and nursed him until he was well, and the neighbors all just angry with her, and how could you do this, and you know what he did to you, mm -hmm. everything, and she said, look, he's God's child, and so am I, and the end of this long story was that she went, got a lawyer, and legally adopted him as her son. Wow. Hmm. Now that's a story of love that's beyond ourselves. Yeah. Mm. She obviously had walked with God through troubled waters and gotten closer and closer to Him and accepted His forgiveness. Yeah. Wow. Good story. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to talk with me. Very much appreciate it. Thank you for having us do it. Yes. Yeah, thank you for asking us, Nate. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.